This is your host, Dr. Mensima Shabazz. Welcome, Prema, to my round table. And I'm so happy to have you here. I'm thrilled to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Now, as I always do in a conversation, is to let people know, you know, a little bit about us before we get deep into the topic and conversation. So I'd like you to share a memory about something that people would like to know about you, about your travels, your over the world. And I know you're a traveler, something we have in common. So we can talk a little bit about that. Okay. So when I married my kid's father, he said to me, I would really, you know, when we were talking about our dreams and one of his dreams was to go sailing and to go cruising. And I said, well, okay, well, we want to have a family. We better, we better do this. So shortly after we got married, we put everything in storage. He took me to look at some boats. And of course he showed me the best sailboats. We didn't get one of those, but we did get one that we had put a lot of work into and we bought it big enough to also have children on. And we took that sailboat from Seattle area and we sailed down to Mexico, down to Baja, California. We sailed, we spent a couple of years down there. We had our, our children, we had two children. We came back up the coast. We spent lots of time in the, the islands off of Washington and such. And blue water sailing was really incredible. It was the kind of thing when you were in it in the moment, you were like, okay, this is amazing. Or it's really hard and stormy, but it's okay. But then if you, if I thought about it, I would think, oh, what am I doing? That was horrific. Or that was so hard. Or that was, so, you know, picket fence, little house, please. And, and it really taught me that, that piece about being present. Like when you're present with something, it's all fine. It's all just absolutely fine. Like if you're tuned in, you're present, you know what to do in the moment, whatever it might be. But when we think about something, we can lay a lot of different filters and stories on it. So I've done a lot of traveling, yes. And my days of um, of cruising and blue water sailing, I mean, we've broken a boom 120 miles off of coast. We've done all kinds of crazy things with that particular sector of my life. But that was one of the biggest things that I learned was just, boy, be in the moment and it's all fine. Not, and I'm, then my mind would start would start going <laughs> other places. <laughs> well, you know, we all go to that place, right? Of either in the past or in the future and trying to figure things out. But as you say, when we stay in the moment, everything really is fine. You know, within the moment, you can enjoy yourself and really experience things fully. One, one of my memories is traveling to Italy, you know, when I was 22, I didn't speak the language or anything, and I just went on an adventure, and it turned out to be a wonderful experience. I left Italy speaking the language, etc., and making a lot of friends. One of the things I noticed is that a lot of people from all parts of the world want the same things, right? Happiness, joy, the basic needs and necessities, and we can all come together to experience that. Now you are. Can I, can I say one thing about that? It's, it's, I'm glad that you mentioned that because out of everywhere I've been, and I have been a lot of, a lot of places on the planet and spent time in Australia and you know, Thailand and that part of the world and North America and South America is that that is, I would, I would marvel at that, how everyone is trying to feed their family or, you know, make a good living, spend time with each other, celebrating in some way, eating, like all these common things that we do. And, 
you know, there's also, uh, we don't have to go into that, you know, there's a lot of strife and disagreement in the world, but at a very core level of who we are, I think, spiritually and as on a humanity level, we're really just all about very similar things. And the beauty of traveling and noticing that is like, oh, wow, you could do it in this way or in that way or with those colors or, you know, with those flavors. And that was such a beautiful thing. I always, I really marvel at that when I travel. So thank you for bringing that up. No, thank you. I think it's a a common experience that most people become aware of and how we have in our shared humanity, the same basic things, right? So you are a leading Vedic astrologer. And one of the things I remember growing up, I think I was about 12 or so, when my mother brought me to an astrologer. Of course, I didn't grasp, you know, what was going on much, but what can you share with the ladies listening uh, now that about astrology and why it's relevant in our lives? Yeah, absolutely. So I practice the art and science. It is a science and it's an art to read it and interpret it of Vedic astrology, which comes from the Vedas, some of the oldest spiritual texts of India. And it's a practice that's been practiced for, you know, over 6,000 years. And I call your chart your soul blueprint because as I see it, it is a way to look at your soul choices, whether those were challenges that you, you soul challenges, and I call that and I talk about that in my book, and or whether those are conscious choices or how you're made up and, and who you are. Some people use astrology for prediction. I don't use it for prediction because I think prediction robs people of choices. I do use it to help people understand what the energy is, the celestial weather. Because if you know what the energy is, then you know how to prepare for it and go with it instead of against it. So again, if you know it's it's a winter day, it's going to be stormy, probably shouldn't wear my bikini to the beach today. Might want to bring my rain slicker. You know, so it's, it just, it allows, because every, and all the energy we go through, everything we experience, I believe is good for something. But let's find out what it's good for. And when we know what it's good for, then we know how to move with it, even if it's the most challenging time of your life. So astrology is, to me, this a way to understand the cosmos and our part of the cosmos and how and how we're affected by the energy and then what we can do with it. So I also see it as it doesn't matter the sole choices that you made. Yes, you're going to have natural gifts and talents and challenges. And that's where the sacred wealth code came from is noticing people's gifts and and highest value gifts. But you are always at free will. You are always at free choice to transcend your soul choices that you made. And isn't it great to know that if you're having a challenge in your life, you know, maybe, you know, your career is just not working out for you just, you know, or you're ending up in these um, challenging arguments and difficulties with, you know, family members or the same people. And you see that pattern repeating. Wouldn't it be great to know what the heck is really going on? And then you could really get to the root of it and then make the shifts that you need to make within you, because it is a change from the inside out that shifts your world. So you're always at free will to, like if you're gonna go from New York to Los Angeles and you put that in MapQuest, you know, you get a a route to go on, you know, you're always free during that, you know, trip to take side trips, to 
you choose a different route, maybe you meet somebody along the way, you stay a couple of years in Texas. Well, you could also then change that route, you know, and, and you can always get back onto your soul path. So it gives us an idea on how to connect deeply with what we've chosen on a soul level. And I believe everybody is connected to their soul blueprint. And I teach ways for people to feel into that, even if they never understood a thing about astrology, so that they can trust themselves in, in those intuitive hunches, into leaning into where they need to grow themselves or where they need to step away for, from something. That's excellent. Now, you mentioned, you know, going inside out, right? How can you elaborate on that a little bit? I believe in that practice, but I want you to share your approach or how you teach people to use that. Absolutely. So it's actually the core of my purpose. And that's another thing that we get from, from astrology. And that's one of the things I focus on so deeply with people is helping them to understand what is your soul purpose? Because there's a purpose in everything we do. And if we know what that purpose is, whether it's the purpose of the relationship, the purpose of the business, the purpose of the career, the purpose in your mothering, if you know what the purpose is, then you can really uh, attend to that and don't let all the little things that happen along the way pull you off track. So my purpose, core purpose, is to live from the inside out. So that means to be divinely sourced. That means to be tapping into whether you call that your higher self, whether you call it your soul, whether you call it God, whether you call it, you know, the divine. But that part of me that's absolutely 100% eternal, that is all the information is there. I always believe that everything you need to know is inside of you. You just need the door to open and to find those answers for yourself. So living from the inside out means the process of evolution, which is energy first, then matter, energy first, then form. So that means if I want to create, say it's my new work in the world, or say it's the most fabulous relationship that's going to allow me to flourish. I want to really understand what's the purpose of that and really tap into what's the energy. How do I want to feel all those inner qualities? Because everything you want to create in your life is to feel a particular way. And if you know what that is, you're already creating it for yourself. And that's how you create alignment. That's a whole other big subject. What I teach people with as far as taking, uh, understanding what their divine gifts are, moving their impact their work in the world, out in the world, whatever that is, whether it's a business or writing a book or creating a foundation, whatever that might be for you, is to create that from the inside out. So we have to be self-sourced, first of all, and be able to tap into our hearts and know who we are and start to trust ourselves and our intuition, and then use that to create also. Um, so if you were going to create a business or say you were going to write a book, you again, what would want to tune in first and find out what's that really about instead of being looking online and finding the best strategy to do that. Um, strategy has to come last. And I, I actually call it inspired action and there's a place for it. But listen, dear ones, and especially for the feminine, especially for women, how many times have you tried to take the amazing, juicy roundness of you and shove it into a square peg? How many times has society asked you to do that? How many times culturally? How many times has your family asked you to do that? How many times have that's that's just, you know, it's just hurt so much to do that? Well, we can't, if we keep trying to fit in somewhere, 
or if we're following people who are trying to make us fit in, there's not enough room for us there. That squeezes out our essence. And when we become, when we're willing to move from the inside out, willing to live, willing to trust from the inside out, then we become, we become so much more of who we uniquely are and therefore much happier, therefore much more purposeful and in turn end up being creating more that impacts this world that we live in in a way that it needs to be because the feminism is in tune with what needs to happen next. Yes, I believe so. And I think we hold the wisdom, right? And so all we have to do is to find the processes that would help us get to that place, right? Within so, so very true. Right. And, you know, just, let's just define wisdom a little bit too. So wisdom is that, you know, you were just in some ways, maybe just born with it, or you you know that information, you know it in your bones. And another way I look at wisdom is it's knowledge experienced. So when we look back at our life and we look at, you know, that trauma that we went through early in life, that we finally have understand what happened there and we were able to let it go and move on, which is allowing us maybe to be seen because a lot of women have, have that going on. Then we then gather up the wisdom from that experience. We no longer let the trauma have a hold on us, the shadow have a hold on us. And then we've gathered the lesson, we've gathered the wisdom, and we've got that. And we can live from that. And then we can also help others with that. So they don't even have to go through that. But I do believe the feminine is ahead with wisdom at this current time and that we do hold. And I want to say the feminine in all of us. Yes, women. And for the masculine, for the men, there is a, you know, we have masculine within us too, but for men, you know, they have a feminine energy. They have a feminine heart as well. And, you know, it's, it's the feminine is where the wisdom is. That is that creative energy. That's where things come beyond the rational mind. Thank you. As you were talking, you mentioned alignment, right? And I think it's really, for me, very important to bring it up a little bit more because I've listened to your soul wisdom meditation, which is supposed to really get us into that place of alignment. And one of my favorite things to do is to listen to it first thing in the morning, sometimes even before I get out of bed. You know, so as I get out and start, you know, doing the things I need to do to get ready, my mind is already tuned into the process of really feeling centered and, you know, balancing things in my day. What can you share about that to those listening as a practice to really generate the inner or going from within, you know? You know, I created the soul wisdom practice meditation. It sort of evolved over the years and it's something I've used. It's a way of tapping into our hearts. It's a way of recognizing what we're grateful for. It's a way of expressing our appreciation, really connecting in with our next vision, but it all happens through the heart and it's meant to be used anytime. And especially first thing in the day, you know, when we go to bed at night, we're thinking about things typically, and then when we fall asleep, we fall, you know, as we go to sleep, we're kind of like we're floating down to the, the bottom of the lake and where it's nice and quiet, where there's all this chatter on the, on the surface of the lake. And then as we wake up, unless we're conscious about it, we kind of come out from the bottom of the lake and we come to the surface and we start kind of hook into what we were thinking about, or wait, maybe if you wake up during the night, but when you consciously come out of that sleep and you tune into your heart and you come into this place of meditation and you come into this place of not just hooking into the outer world, 
you don't let it affect you so much. You get very present. You, you shut down your default mode, part of your brain. And there's good science on that. And you open up your heart and you connect with what, what you're about. You hear your, your deep guidance for the day. And just even in, in a very core soul directive, and I call it soul directive. And in turn, I do want to say that if we practice gratitude, for instance, before we go to sleep at night, it, it really sets us up for this beautiful process. So the soul wisdom meditation is, and, or, and we can just call it a practice because as you will know, in all of my, in my solutionary blueprint program or the sacred wealth circle, or in the sacred wealth journey, it's all in my book and, and there's free resources for it in my book. My journal's meant to be used with that practice as well. It is all built off of let's quiet down Let's tune in and connect with our soul, connect through the heart, and let's start to hear that really clear voice. And then let's really understand what our heart wants for us. And let's put our attention on that. And then for strategy, we always come down to inspired action. And within that meditation at the end, and, and with all of my practices and trainings, it's always finding that inspired action, asking for it to bubble up in connection with what the, the heart's desire is. And then we have a clear directive that just feels so right. It feels like a tuned guitar string instead of something that's out of out of tune or out of you know harmony. And, and the beautiful thing about it is you cannot take that inspired action, but it's going to bug you. It's going to be on your shoulder. It's going to be, you know, and it's not someone else telling you something to do. It's just no, it's knowing where you're denying yourself. But when you do take it, you are exercising your trust muscle. And the more you do take that inspired action, it's like taking a step and opening up a whole bunch of other doors. The mind wants to know how it's all going to work out. And that keeps most people from really ever stepping in and really stepping into their destiny because they're too concerned about how it's all going to work out. But when we take one inspired action at a time, then what we're saying is we're working with the divine and we are working with our soul blueprint. And we then have a whole other set of choices that are open up for us. Like you could drive from San Diego to Seattle in the fog at night and even with your high beams out in your car. But if you could just see a couple, three feet, a yard or two ahead of you and you were very present, you could get there the whole way. Right. And you might even have a very interesting trip. So yeah, that those inspired actions, when we take them, it's amazing the magic that will happen. Thank you. So you mentioned your book, and I think it's the best time to really segue into that. One of the, I think I got to know you because of your book, right? And I purchased your book about three years, three, four years ago. Uh, I think when it came out and I read it, and I did all the exercises in it. And, you know, as time went on and as I worked with it some more, I felt like, okay, I need to reach out to you and, you know, see where that goes. And here we are today. I'm so excited about that, how it kind of lined things up for me to be here. Thank you for that. Now, it's a best-selling book and it's won a lot of awards. So can you tell us what the sacred title of the book, I think, is Your Sacred, your sacred Code, book. Unlock Your Soul Blueprint for Purpose and Prosperity, right? So what is the Sacred Wealth? Okay, so the Sacred Wealth Code is, it's 
something I downloaded yet it was, and downloaded, I mean, it had come to me and evolved over time. So the sacred wealth code is based on a principle in Vedic astrology that has to do with your purpose and your prosperity planets and aspects within your chart. And what I noticed after years of looking at people's charts that, you know, most people come for fix this relationship or where's the love of my life, you know, where's the money or it's, it's health stuff. Right. So I've been helping with people with purpose for many, many years, even way back when I had my yoga center. And what I started to notice was this, where I found the purpose and prosperity aspects, planets and where they were, and I, and I won't go into all the, the technicality around it. I noticed that's where people's highest value gifts are. And what I mean by highest value, their divine gifts, you have a lot of gifts. But the ones that when you use those gifts, they unlock something in the world that only you can unlock. And they also unlock not only your purpose, but do unlock your prosperity in your own unique way. Because the way we're culturally taught about prosperity may not fit you. And and for most people, when you dig deep, and we do that in all my programs, and we do that in the book, there's a whole chapter on this, on understanding what your wealth dream is. When you allow yourself to be authentic to what it is that you want wealth for. And let me just give the definition of wealth, which is everything you need to fulfill your purpose, which is not just about money in our culture. It's about money because it's a common energy of exchange, but it's the knowledge, the relationships, the resources on any level that you need. So your sacred wealth code. And let me also just, I'll just tell you in a nutshell, I went through a time of losing a a yoga center and healing art center. The story is, is in my book as well. And this was like a dark night of the soul. This was a place that I built. I thought I was, it was a world-class center. It was probably ahead of its time. I had it for five years. I thought that I was so on my purpose and I couldn't understand then why am I making six figures? My businesses, but I didn't have enough. And how come I can't, I, I did everything I could to shift my inner being and, and I tried everything to, you know, selling it, making a nonprofit, um, getting a partner and everything would almost happen and then fell out. And so when I was called to let the center go, and I mean, this was a, a on my knees, dark night of the soul moment, like I had exhausted everything. And even my marriage fell apart during that time for several reasons. I was unlocking the, the yoga center door one day and it was like 6.30 a.m. I was teaching an early class and I heard it again. No, you have to let it go. And so I'm thinking, I'm surrendering. What else do you want me to do? No, let it go. Like you have to let go, get rid of the business. And I was like, like, I didn't want people to see me like I, you know, that I had failed with this thing and I had built this whole community, but I did take a deep breath and I did ask for help and I did let it go. And I just vowed to really stay on my knees until I figured this thing out. And the sacred wealth code, I had a sense of it, but it really came up during that soul searching time just shortly after that. And, and it came up on the opposite side. I mean, it came up on the shadow side because you have a shadow side of your sacred wealth code as well. And I noticed where I was stuck in the shadow in some areas enough to keep me fully out of the prosperous, wealthy part of my sacred wealth code. I was trying to be too independent, do too many things on my own. I didn't know how to receive properly. And with my upbringing, that's understandable, but it was time to transcend that. Oh, it's been so much of that, right? Um, Yeah. The good news was, is I did the work and within six months or so, I was able to shift my business entirely and was able, and I, but then I was a single parent and, and 
started to make a create wealth in my life and also create the work in such a deeper way with people who were, you know, more committed and really wanted to wanted to to be with a longer trajectory instead of maybe coming in for a class here or there. So it all led to something really wonderful. The sacred wealth code itself then evolved from instead of me just helping you understand and explaining your gifts, there's a body of archetypes that came in and and they're in the book, but I also capture them in the sacred wealth code Oracle cards. And when the archetypes dropped in, I was so grateful because like, I can say to you, the the strategist or the teacher or the visionary, and for each one of you, a, a new story is just opened up for you that you can immediately connect into in your own unique way. So the archetypes started to take form both with the shadow and the gift side. And this really allowed uh, people to connect in in a deeper level with their own sacred wealth code. So each planet has three archetypes. And then there's one for the North and South node of the moon. There's a specific methodology science I, you know, that I look at to find someone's sacred wealth code within their chart. My book is a sort of the do it yourself version, meaning that it takes you through a bunch of exercises so that then you can go through all the archetypes and see which ones resonate for you. And also I have a free quiz on my website, which also does that as well, where you can at least get one of your sacred wealth code archetypes. So it's deep, it's rich, it's fun. And the more you get to know your sacred wealth code, the more it expands, the more you use your gifts, the more they expand and the more you expand. That's that's brilliant. Now, I, I know I've told you this before. I think it's genius, actually. So you have, you're also pairing Vedic astrology with business development, right? How is it? It sounds unusual. How, how does that work? So being a serial entrepreneur, and I've pretty much been an entrepreneur all of my life. And so we're talking, you know, you know, over 30 years at this point. So, and we could say business development, but we could also say with moving your, your movement and mission out into the world. And for most people that turns into a business, although, like I said, it could be something like a foundation or a book or whatever. So look, we are in a paradigm shift like none other. Well, none that we've ever lived through, that's for sure. There's a lot that needs to shift. You and I and everyone listening in here knows that. You, We all have a part in that. And this, you know, and also like the Dalai Lama said, the Western woman is going to save the world. And, the, and one of the reasons is that is because the Western woman is moving more and more into leadership positions, including entrepreneurship. And there's more and more women entrepreneurs daily. So when you have a business that is aligned with your purpose, that's aligned with your gifts, not only does, does it flourish in the world and serve the world, but it also flourishes for you and creates wealth for you. And it's it's just a natural progression when you want to start moving your, your work out into the world. A lot of times it turns into a business. Okay. So and I love and I love business and I love entrepreneurship. So and I'm brilliant in that I have a brilliance in that. And so yeah. That's pretty cool to hear that. What makes someone a perfect candidate to work with you in this uh, sacred wealth code system? So there's different ways to work with me in the sacred wealth code system, whether you're getting a reading or whether, you know, the the book or the cards or whatever. My ideal client that I so love to serve is really conscious women visionaries and to really help them to activate their divine gifts and align with their sacred wealth code. It's someone who wants to go deep, 
And even if they don't know that, they're not thinking, okay, where let me find someone I can really go deep with. But when they feel that resonance, they're like, they get it. Like, oh, it makes so much sense. I've tried everything on the surface. We need to go deep. Who's willing to do the, you know, willing to invest in themselves time-wise, energy-wise? Because, you know, soul work, just like entrepreneurship, soul work takes time. And there's so much that time that we waste because we are wanting to, you know, culturally it's like, oh, the quick fix, but most quick fixes or being attached to one takes so much time because it doesn't work and, it, and we don't do it. Right. So women, although I do work with some amazing men uh, who consider themselves conscious because most of my ideal clients, they are really brilliant and they know a lot of things and they know a lot about spirituality, but they I help them to close the gap between what they know and what they're embodying, what they're who they're actually being, what they're embodying, and what they're willing to be seen for. And that is a feminine practice, and that is a feminine principle to be able to take that and move things, move your awareness and move your gifts down through your body and down through your your flesh. This is the final frontier, our right. bodies. That's Actually, as you're talking about women and, you know, the feminine, et cetera, I just want everyone to know that you have a tribe and I'm a member of that tribe, right? And, you know, it's a sacred group of both in space and people, you know, that really support one another and, you know, build each other up. And it's really beautiful. How did you come up with that concept of forming the group? So I would say it was a soul directive. I've worked with, you know, clients on many different levels, taught retreats, taught workshops. And as I started to really work with more and more so with the sacred wealth code and more and more with this body of work, because it is a body of work, I, you know, we need community. We were never meant to do it alone. And that's one of the, I want to say problems and one of the, the feminine pains is when we are trying to do things alone and we need each other and we do need a tribe and we need a tribe that's heart and soul and mind alike. So it's natural. I've been creating communities since I was young. I've always been a a leader in, in community. It's part of my gifts as a connector and I can't help it. It just happens. I'm the center of my family as far as bringing things together. If I go into a community, I help contribute to that community and there's community that, that creates itself around me. So it's natural for me to create community. It's part of my feminine and it's part of my being an authentic leader. And I'm very invested in teaching others within the community to lead the community. And that's what happens in my communities. People take care of each other. Someone's might be down, but someone's always up. People can help each other with their gifts. And it's a beautiful thing, but know this, if you feel isolated, and I know it's COVID, but if you feel isolated, you feel alone in any way for the feminine, that does not work. We are not isolatory. We will dry up if we don't get in connection with other women. So you speak in my language because in my in my culture and traditions, you know, we have our tribes and we have, you know, powerful women part of the tribe, a community, and we really share everything, right? So the community's needs supersede the individual needs, right? And so I think in, in I have called your queen mother being the head of the group and you know, really looking out for your tribe and 
I notice, you know, especially how much loving everyone is in that space. What are your thoughts, uh, you know, me calling you a queen mother? <laughs> I love that you actually call me the queen mother. And because it, when I get the essence of what that is, it, it, it is actually really true. It is so important. Uh, like, I love what you said about the needs of the many, in my words, over the needs of the one. And there are times when we need to have, as women, you could say, well, wait a second, like the needs of the many of my family and everything else. And what about me? You do need to have your needs absolutely put first in your life by you. You take care of your needs first. And I teach a lot about boundaries around this. But community tribe is a living organism. And it has a way of, of, of evolving and growing and, and moving together. And it does take leadership. But to me, a true leader is someone who's empowering others to lead. Right. And that's what you that's that's a really beautiful community or tribe to me is where everyone has their place. And what I, like my vision for as far as divine gifts is like, what if we lived in a world where everybody was supported in using really focusing on their gifts? That means we're not all going to do the same thing. But within a community, there's the resources you need for everything, but you don't have to have them all. And that means that you can, if you're really in your gifts and you can devote your energy there, your gifts are ever expanding. We live in an ever expanding universe. So that means you can really flourish and shine. You're in your whole being. And then within the group, within the community, all the bases are covered. Right. And that's one of the beautiful things about a community. And everyone else is helping the other shine. Right. So we always, yeah, bring in the best. And that's one of the things that I think is so needed more than ever in this paradigm that we're living in and the the, the shift that we are in. And we're still in a lot of breakdown and things have to break down before we can break through to the other side. But, you know, the more the more women, more the feminine is willing to show up for her gifts and be seen for them. And I see a lot of women with trauma around that because we've been we've been put down from our for our gifts or told we couldn't from very young in life. And we have to clean that shadow up. But this this essence of, you know, considering the whole what's good for everyone might mean today I don't get exactly what I need. But in the greater communities we're living in, the greater tribes we're living in, we will not succeed here on this planet unless we get that in check. And women are the leaders there. And there's something for each and every one of you to lead with. There's a place for you to shine with your gifts. And and if you can't uh, are having a hard time with that. Trust me, we all go through that. And I still go through that. It's always the next level. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I didn't know I had any shadow left here. But if you're willing to continually to sweep the path and or like polish your own light, you know, take the the the, the dust and the, the shadow off of your own light, then you, then you have the confidence to keep stepping into that. And we we must have that or we will not flourish. The beautiful thing is there are so many tools available to us, right? And we can all pick whichever resonates in order to work with it. So that's really true. And so unlike some other programs in working with me and my programs, someone might say, oh, there's there's too many things in there. It's really brilliantly organized so that it's very unique to you. There's some foundation stuff you need, everyone needs to go through about understanding themselves, their wealth code, breaking through their shadow and such. But depending on where you are in your giving your mission out to the world or or your own self-development, because I call it inner and outer work, 
there's the, the tools that you need are within there. And each and every one of us is on a unique path. How many times have you gone into a signed up for something where you're like, yeah, but this, this and this fits, but this doesn't fit. And everyone has to go through the same paces. My whole system and body of work is very unique. So it can be unique for you and what you need in the moment. And I think if we have the tools we need, whether we're trying to, you know, build a movement out in the world, a community, a skyscraper, we can do it. Right. So what advice do you give to the next generation of, you know, women? We've experienced some things, what I call in my life, some landmines, right? Things I wish I knew before I stepped into them. And there are times, you know, it's just life. It's an experiences. So if one thing that you could share with the younger generation as to the, yeah. the thing. Yeah, no, great. And I love, the, I love the analogy of landmines. I know if we would have only known. <laughs> Is that it comes back to this, this level of really, you know, and this is my message, you know, really understand what your gifts are, be brave enough, have enough courage to be willing to move past whatever is keeping you from fully being in your gifts so that you are thriving. If you're thriving, you're going to create thriving around you. If, for instance, if you're, you know, if you're an activist and you're really, you know, out there saving our world, but you're not good in your heart and you're not good at home, it's not going to work. You have to take care of yourself first and really step into and, and allow yourself to really use your gifts. So you're really thriving. And then let's do this together. How much can you do together? And at the same time, have yourself and your self-care a priority, not from a narcissistic point of view, but from the point of view of what do I need in each and every day so that I'm, if you just take the word thriving so that I'm thriving, then I have the energy to give in order to, to do the service that I'm here to do. Mm. And let's do it together. How can we do it together? That's really important. Thank you for that. I'm, I'm hoping that those who get a chance to listen to this would take that and use it on a daily basis so that they avoid some of the experiences that or some of the things I wish my mother had told me. Uh, it's Mother's Day coming. It and, is. And happy Mother's Day. I wanted to ask as we wrap up, because we've been, time just went by like that. As mothers and, you know, leading into the our next phase, as you said, things are shifting. There's no getting around that. It's inevitable. And we're going to step into our power. So who is a woman of power and grace to you? So, again, for me, my definition is, is a woman who is, is divinely sourced, going back to the conversation about living from the inside out. If we are truly living from the inside, living from our hearts, living from our soul, then grace is going to be flowing through us. And we are going to be living with grace, meaning, you know, there is, there's just your, your world would be laced with the divine opportunities, connections, the way things flow that they actually flow and it's, and it's easier and power. What is the true source of power? It's nothing we can get from the outside world. It's, it's again, power comes from comes from within. So a woman of power and grace to me is a woman who is who is living from the inside out, who is living soul sourced, who's getting her answers from the inside out, which doesn't mean you don't get help. We all we all need help. We just talked about we have to help each other. But you know that it's not you're not always reaching out or comparing yourself. You're you're reaching in and willing to be uniquely you and trusting in 
and trusting in yourself. And the trusting yourself, I think, is hard. And it's a big part of what I teach, but it's so essential because otherwise you're always you have the ability, you're going to be pulled off center again and again. So she has to be soul source. She needs to be living from the inside out. Thank you so much. That was so beautiful. And I wish we could go on for oh god another hour or so. But time is up and I'm really thankful also for letting me use your image to write my poem, Woman of Power and Grace. Thank you. Thank I'm you. Totally honored. Totally honored. Thank you. And this has been just a lovely, juicy conversation and we could, we could talk for hours. And I just I really hope that those of you listening in, that there's just, just even one nugget that just, you know, that really landed for you and take it and run with it. Well, we can do this again. Huh? We can. All right. Thank you. Okay.